Well, they thought he was gone, but they were wrong. Jack the Ripper is loose in one lint. We're going to start over. Here we go. <laughs> uh, get a little tongue-tied, Alex. Okay. That happened. <laughs> Three, two, one. They thought he was gone, but they were wrong. Jack the Ripper is loose in London once more. So, who was Jack the Ripper? Was he ever caught? Did he even exist? Well, two years ago, Alex Grecian introduced a stunning new historical series to the world of crime fiction. His novel, The Yard, took us inside Scotland Yard's murder squad in an attempt to capture Jack the Ripper. So was he captured? Hi, this is Greg Grasso, and you're listening to Chapter One. I'm here today with Alex Grecian, a uh, national bestseller author of The Yard, and uh, his latest book, The Devil's Workshop, will soon be another national bestseller. How are you, Alex? I'm, I'm great, Greg. Thanks for having me. And Thanks ha- for saying that. That's, that's nice of you. Oh well, it's the truth. <laughs> I don't. I'm from the east. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I tell it like it is. Anyway, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, I read your book, The Devil's Workshop. Fascinating. Uh, I'm 60 years old. I grew up with um, all of the Scotland Yard uh, um, novels and TV shows. Uh, a uh, fan of Jack the Ripper. I think I've seen every movie made about Jack the Ripper. My favorite was uh, uh, was one portrayed by uh, uh, Tony Curtis, and uh, um, just just a fabulous book. It kept me on the page. Um, it was suspenseful. It moved like a movie, and uh, which was fortunate because I see books as movies. <laughs> and uh, great read, man. Great read. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Although now, talking to you, I think uh, if I write uh, more Jack the Ripper, he's going to sound like Tur- Tony Curtis in my head. <laughs> well, Tony <laughs> Curtis did a hell of a job. <laughs> uh, I, had, I think I saw that when I was very young and, uh, yeah, just absolutely yeah. fascinated. Me too. Yeah. So, so um, okay, you, you uh, started uh, – uh, this murder squad, uh, Scotland Yard murder squad with the yard, right? Right. Okay. So give us, uh, maybe give us a little background and then uh, let's move into a description of the Devil's Workshop. Well, in the yard, I introduced uh, the murder squad, um, which was actually in real life formed to deal with all, all of the murder in London. It was overwhelming the police. And they decided they needed to sort of break some of the officers away, some of the the inspectors away, and um, have them stop dealing with robbery and, and the, the usual sort of crime, and have them just concentrate on murder and become experts on murder. And uh, so that to me is fascinating because that that changed the way that we investigated murders and uh, crime scenes and all of that. Uh, so so that's really where the yard came from. And now the Devil's Workshop is is the third book in that series, but I try to make them so that they stand alone, so that you don't have to have read the other two in order to read this one. Uh, But it does deal with the same main characters as they go through and as the murder squad sort of matures. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, uh, I I understand you've got... um... You've got two of these um, Scotland Yard detectives, uh, Hammersmith and Day. Um, how did you develop those characters? 
Well, they're all with the first book. Um, <laughs> well, you brought up Tony Curtis, so I can bring up Platoon. Um, oh, good. I always liked the movie Platoon. I liked the the idea of. I, I realize that has nothing to do with Scotland Yard, but I, I like the structure of it with um, the main character being influenced by two very different characters, and so that's sort of the the germ of the idea through these books. I have three main characters rather than one. And Inspector Day is sort of the reader. He's me. He's, you know, he's the the normal guy. And then uh, Neville Hammersmith is all emotion, all action. And Dr. Kingsley is the intellect. So Day is influenced by these, these two, you know, an angel and a devil on his shoulders, these two very different ways of looking at crime are pulling at him and influencing him. And, and that helps him grow through the series. Yeah. Yeah, they reminded me, actually, of uh, of a threesome, if we want to put it together that way, with Sherlock Holmes, with Sherlock Holmes and uh, Watson. Um, one's very pragmatic, the other one, you know, not so. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> a, little more, a little more of a lady killer. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, you, well, well, Everybody knows about Jack the Ripper, um, only because it's uh, it, it's been this historical fiction uh, development over decades. And um, so, so one question that I would ask is: Was there really a Jack the Ripper? Number one, and um, uh, how did you how did you fold this all together? I mean, I, I love the fact that you brought some historical sense into this book because uh, it 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 captures me as a you know 60 year old man who grew up during the 50s and 60s when when uh, you know that genre was uh, was in play so um are you a uh, are you a historian um what 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 was interesting well an amateur historian i suppose um mm-hmm. i uh you know for a long, long time, I belonged to message boards um, that had to do with uh, Jack the Ripper and uh, Victorian England and Edgar Allan Poe. And I actually wrote a book about Edgar Allan Poe's death uh, before I started these these books. It was never published, and that's a good thing. <laughs> 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 but uh, I've always been um, fascinated by the past uh, and, you know, what we can learn from it. Um, as far as whether there was a Jack the Ripper, there was definitely somebody or somebody's, um, but Jack the Ripper wasn't his name, obviously, or their name. Right. Um, he named himself, and the public named him. And so, in a way, uh, he was a fictional character. I mean, everything ever written about Jack the Ripper is written about a fictional character because we don't know who that really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know why he or they did those things. Mm-hmm. And, and most importantly, I think, and, and the thing that makes him most memorable is we don't know why he stopped, because serial killers don't usually stop. They, uh, you know, they get caught or killed. Mm-hmm. Um, once they once they start acting on their compulsions, they keep going and get braver and braver. And this guy stopped, and that's what's scary to me. Well, he he returned. <laughs> he came out of nowhere, and he's back. Um, there you go. Yeah. Well, 
that's that's the whole idea behind the Devil's Workshop. Why would he have stopped? Well, yeah, and um, this reminds me of the Green River killings um, in Oregon and Washington years ago. Remember? Sure. Um, this guy bounced around. He traveled up the coast, um, and then he he went underground for a while. Um, the and then with the BTK. Yeah, right? yeah, sure. yeah, and and so that you know. Yeah, I love all this. I, I love the sick stuff. <laughs> my, my, I think it gives me the creeps while I'm writing it sometimes. But uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I think, uh, and and you know, there are some people who think that uh, the Ripper was actually H. H. Holmes, and he was just in England at the time, and then came back here, and he's one of America's most notorious uh, serial killers. Right. Right. Well, there was another movie. I forget the name, but um, it, it was. Uh... Oh gosh, was it? What was it? It was some. Uh, it was a hierarchy in in London um, that was actually the Ripper. Oh damn it! I wish I could remember that movie. But anyway, anyway, um, it'll come to me. It may have been. I mean, there you know, there are so many theories about the royal family being involved. There you go, Sir yeah. William Gull and all. There of that. There you go. Yeah, Prince Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, okay. So, okay, I hear that you were in advertising years ago. Right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> what? yeah. How old are you, Alex? Uh, if you want to say. 40, I'm 44. Oh, you're a youngster. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, you were in advertising. I was in advertising early on in my career. I was an uh, art director, and uh, oh, okay. uh, you worked on uh, Harley-Davidson account, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, not, uh, not the big stuff, but... Uh, were you I a copywriter? Uh, well, I started in advertising as an artist and a graphic designer. Oh, um, me too. And, well, and, well, and I was lucky enough. I was doing, I was storyboarding um, commercials and uh, yeah. doing that kind of thing, and I, I got to move into actually writing and then directing um, hmm. because uh, you know I was lucky enough to be working in an agency where they let you wear as many hats as you wanted to wear. Um, that was so that. Yeah, sort of, that was that it. Part. Yeah, we yeah. we wore lots of hats back then. <laughs> and remember the hours you had to keep. Um, oh, good lord! Yeah. So, but that's actually why I started writing fiction because the hours in an ad agency, especially when you've got a new campaign and when you've got an important client, are just murder. Right. And uh, when my wife had a baby, uh, I, uh, you know, I couldn't take care of a baby and, and do that, so I quit and became a stay-at-home father and pursued my dream of writing fiction. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, so you said you were an, kind of an amateur historian, um, and obviously you've been a fan of this uh, genre for some time, uh, but did you do – how much historical um, uh, digging did you do? Did you, did you go to London? Did you walk the streets? How did you build the scene in your head? Um, you know, I spent a, a month in London last summer um, doing as much research as I possibly could, and London has changed so much, um, you know, between the Blitz and everything else. It's been uh, more than 100 years, and it, it didn't retain uh, as much Victorianism as, as people in America might think. It's a, it's a very modern city. Hmm. Um, so most of my research uh, comes from reading diaries and journals and memoirs of people who actually lived at the time, hmm. um, tracking those down and finding them and reading them. And that that's the most fascinating thing for me, um, finding out what daily life was like back then. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you looked at documents and photographs and... Um, oh, sure. Yeah, and we're all familiar with the Victorian era. Um, uh, that, that's pretty cool. That's that's yeah, real cool. It, and it's fun poking around in used bookstores in London um, and finding, you know, scrapbooks that people had from the time. Hmm. And, uh, just just things that you don't necessarily see on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Let me get back to the book for a second. Um the typical scenario for Jack the Ripper is the White Castle District in London, okay? Right? Right. Okay. Or is it, well, no, White Chapel, right? Right. It, yeah, okay. And from what I understand, uh, uh, a lot of uh, red light district, basically, right? <laughs> basically. <laughs> okay. Um, but you you moved away a little bit. You You kind of... You kind of went outward with this book. Um, um. Well, something that uh, I don't know if a whole lot of people have have noticed this in my books, but my serial killers aren't motivated by sexual power mm-hmm. uh, the way so many are. Because to me, it was it was hard to a it was hard to write that I uh, you know killing women over and over again, um, and then uh, b. Uh, it's sort of done to death, so to speak. Um, So I try to find new motives for for serial killers to kill and, uh, you know, new new reasons or at least somewhat new. Um, So if I was going to write about Jack the Ripper, which I decided I was going to have to, um, I needed to find a way for him to sort of transition and find a new agenda um, because I didn't want to have him just go out and kill more prostitutes, and so that's that was sort of the the germ of the idea here. What what could happen to him? a? Why did he stop? And then b? What could happen to him to change him so that I can write him um, as a fresh character? Right. Why did he stop, Alex? I have no idea. I assume he was either killed or hmm. uh, captured for something else. Hmm. Uh, unless, you know, the royal family stories are true and he accomplished what he was trying to accomplish and everything else was misdirection, so right. he was done. Right. Yeah, I've, I've talked to a number of um, – actually, there are a number of authors out there who are uh, psychiatrists and psychologists that are write, that writing very good fiction. Um, like Alan Topol, he's a, he, he's a uh, still a practicing um, psychiatrist, but he uh, he writes some pretty good stuff. Um, the the sexual connection between the murderer and the victim, um, I once asked him. It's about ownership, isn't it? It's it's about um, um, coveting, uh, coveting so. one, right? I think so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And for me, that's uh, that's some ugly stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, it, it's hard for me to get in uh, that mindset. Not, not that I, <laughs> not that I naturally adopt the mindset of a killer anyway. But uh, <laughs> no, no. But as a writer, you've got to. <clears throat> excuse me. All great writers that I've talked to, you being one of them. All great Thanks. writers have to put themselves into the character's uh, world. I mean, you, right. you've got to you've got to get into their head. You've got to, you know, see their world through your eye, or you, you have to see their world through your eyes, their eyes. And um, um, so, so when I read this, uh, I knew 
I knew immediately that that you got it. Um, oh, thank you. No, really. Well, I, well, I, I, I want to write about villains, or I try to write about villains who have some sympathetic aspect because I think that makes you more uncomfortable when you're reading it. If you, if there's just a tiny part of you that sympathizes or identifies with uh, this awful, horrible person. Um, hopefully that makes you want to turn the page and read more. Well, I think any honest person would say during their lifetime they've had episodes in their life where they've hated um, something has happened to them. They want to, you know, they want to kill somebody. I mean, I remember uh, as a young kid getting beat to hell by you know kids older than me, and I, you know, I was I was hurt. I was I was. Uh, uh, I wanted to kill these guys, <laughs> and and when I was in advertising, I you know I wanted to kill a couple of clients. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's every advertising wants to kill clients. Can you relate to that? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's either that or the media buyer who uh, bought radio instead of TV. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, that never yeah. happens. Why? Jeez. Oh, well, um. So what do you um, what do you got on the horizon? Because uh, you, <laughs> I, I just see you going forward with this, even a, even a, you know some sort of adjunct uh, novel. Um, what, what do you got on the uh, burners? Well, right now um, I'm writing the sequel called uh, The Harvest Man because uh, The Devil's Workshop kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Yes, so, um, I'm uh, I'm following that up. And, uh, you know, I, I think as I'm writing this series, uh, the characters are changing and their, uh, their environment is changing and their lives are changing. And I think I'm going to be done with Inspector Day's story uh, in the sixth book. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not certain, but that seems to be the way it's going. And when that happens, then I think I'm going to start exploring some of the other detectives on the murder squad. So. Oh, that'd be cool. I, I yeah. think this can go for a while. I think uh, it can. I think it can. Um, as long as I don't run out of uh, things to say about these guys. Well, there's lots of research. I mean, uh, now I, 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 I'm really pleased to see uh, an author like you, uh, an author like uh, Raymond Curry, who lives in London uh, from Beirut. Uh, uh, he's, he wrote a book uh, this past year called uh, Rasputin's Shadow. And um, uh, a great book because he brings the historical uh, sense of Rasputin um, working his way, you know, into the uh, Queen's Court, <laughs> um, uh, acting as this mystic and whatever. But but he pulls it off as you pull it off because you 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 were very careful um, in in um, combining the historical with the fiction. And uh, to me, that makes a great read. Um, so. I'm, uh, well, I'm actually you. writing a story about Rasputin right now. So no. I, mean, <laughs> I really am. Come so, on. Uh, <laughs> you weren't advertising Rasputin. This is crazy. Now, now I'm worried. I, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Um, really? So what are you writing? <laughs> uh, I'm writing a, well, I'm writing a graphic novel about uh, Rasputin. So that's, uh, really? That's coming out in November, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I understand that you, what, you did a graphic novel years ago, right? Yeah, I did a series of uh, six graphic novels called Proof. Well, called so, Proof. Now, yeah. you'll have to excuse me. I'm 
a little bit older than you, and I'm I'm not into graphic novels because I grew up on comic books. But now I'm older and wiser and all this crap, and I got no time <laughs> no time to read. Um, so yeah, what was the proof? Um, get, yeah, because a lot of people may not know. Uh, proof was uh, it's uh, my favorite book when I was a little kid was Tarzan. Oh, and, wow. cool. Um, so I took Tarzan and sort of turned it on its head and reversed it. And, uh, you know, I, it probably hurts my credibility to to talk about, uh, you know, the Lewis and Clark expedition finding a Bigfoot and taking <laughs> it back to uh, Thomas really? uh, Jefferson. And that's what the, the, the book was about. Uh, they took him back to Thomas Jefferson, and Jefferson raised a Sasquatch as a human, but then he didn't fit with humans or with animals. So it was it was really just Tarzan in reverse. Um, wow! So it sounds it sounds ridiculous, but uh, hopefully I treated it fairly seriously. Did it do well, or do, is it doing well? Uh, yeah, yeah. NPR named it uh, one of the best books of uh, 2009, and yeah. uh, it wow. was well received. It was. Uh, was it a YA uh, graphic novel or an adult uh, graphic it, novel? It was for adults. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, there there are there are comics and graphic novels for adults. Um, oh yeah, I, we have a few at the library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some of them are very good. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's some, one of them won the the Pulitzer. You know, Neil Gaiman came from that. Too. Yeah. He, uh, well, Gaiman's Gaiman's absolutely out of his mind. I mean, he's he's. <laughs> And I mean that. I mean that in a very respectful way. When I when I say you're crazy, when I say you're out of mind, when I say you're sick, that's absolutely a compliment. Because um, I've got the same kind of twisted. Uh, I'm fascinated by. Uh, um, I'm fascinated. I've always been fascinated. I, I was raised very uh, in a Catholic family, and please and thank you, and all this crap, and I, the altar boy, and I went to. Uh, parochial school and even went to a seminary um which thank god i'd never fall through with um wow. yeah but 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 um i've always been uh interested in in the uh the alter ego of 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 humankind i mean basically i think man is good i think everybody's got something good in them uh uh well most people um but but there's a there's a line you know there's a line uh, that these these uh, serial killers these uh, these psychotic people walk over and it it's got to be a fine line because uh, uh, you know I'm sure everybody has had uh, alter thoughts in their in their lifetime you know I mean uh, you know everybody is the hero of his own story so it's you know, a good way to put it. Yeah, and that's that's something that uh, you have to keep in mind when you're writing. Yeah. Um, your bad guy doesn't know he's a bad guy, or if he does, he thinks he's justified, or he tries to balance that with some good. Yeah. Um, so you know, nobody, uh, you know, nobody really thinks he's he's bad. He may he may be doing bad things, but he can justify them in his own head. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I'm not talking about you, of course. No, no, no. But <laughs> thanks, thanks. Talking about Jack Ripper here. <laughs> no, as you were talking, uh, um, yeah, I got a brother-in-law. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man. So, um, well, listen, man. Um, this has been absolutely fascinating. I, um, uh, you know what I, you know what I really liked about 
the devil's workshop was the forensic aspect of this. Um, you know, uh, Kingsley, your your uh, your character Kingsley um, was kind of a uh, uh, kind of one of the first uh, forensic pathologists who. Um, you know, introduce this new technology, new way of investigating and putting evidence together. Um, yeah, yeah, he's based on uh, the real guy, the the first uh, forensic pathologist uh, in the world, really, um, who sort of changed the way that we investigate crime scenes and uh, put a lot of things in place that we still use today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you remember yeah, his he, name? Uh, yeah, his name was Bernard Spillsbury. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was originally going to write about him, um, and halfway through writing that first book, I had to go back and change his name, really, because in real life he was apparently a very dark kind of guy and a loner, and I, I just decided I needed a character who had some hope because in, in real life uh, Spillsbury killed himself eventually. And, yeah, that makes it hard to write another book about your character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think I would think that uh, I know an Undertaker, and he's a bit odd, also. <laughs> I mean, he's a good guy, but you know, come on. <laughs> he attracted to that profession. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Hey, um, this has been a kick in the butt. Um, I'm, I'm re- no really. This is a, this is a kick in the butt. I'm really happy I got a hold of you. Um, I'm very interested. Um, uh, off air, you said you'd send me uh, um, uh, the yard, and uh, I'll, I'll get Black Country. But um, uh, I want to get you back on the air because uh, uh, this this whole genre. Um, is something that I grew up with. Uh, I know uh, I know tons and tons of people, fifty plus, that uh, really uh, like this kind of like this kind of read. And uh, um, actually, you know, more praise for you, but but you really pulled it off. Uh, I'm very 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 impressed. Um, um, and and I look forward to uh, to watching you uh, uh, develop more characters and uh, come out with some some more great reads. I really do. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's really kind of you. And absolutely, I would love to come back anytime you want to have me. 